What are the options for gaming online? From the simplest to the most jazzy, what tools help you to play over the internet? Welcome back, Rescuers. I'm your host, Che Webster, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Following the interview with Rob Tui, I've been feeling slightly more confident about putting together an episode on the various online gaming options. As is true of this podcast generally, the whole question of playing fantasy adventure games online has been a learning curve for me. Today, I'm going to share what I've learned and see if I can offer some further ideas on the whole question of online options for role players. This is Series 2, Episode 8. I don't do a lot of online gaming. When I decided to get online and try and find a game, I found it incredibly awkward. Maybe it's because I'm an introvert, someone who recharges alone rather than in the company of other humans. But I have always found meeting new people really difficult. In some ways, chatting online is easier than face-to-face. I remember when I first got online with my first personal computer, Back in the mid-90s, dialing up and using text-based chat apps. Yahoo, I think, back then. I found it very liberating to be able to reach out to new people, but I never really felt entirely comfortable in opening up more personally. You never truly know who you are chatting to online. We remind students about that regularly at school. So yeah, it was awkward. I'm trying to remember the correct sequence in which I decided to explore the idea of online gaming. It was relatively recently, I can tell you that much. Until today, I believe that the first time I tried a virtual tabletop was Roll20. That went live in 2012. I signed up on the 2nd of February 2013. According to my account, I've played more than 44 hours online there. But the last time I played was the tail end of 2017 when I I ran a demo game of Mithras Classic Fantasy using my Lost Tomb of the Dragon Knights adventure. At that time, I was a paying pro user, $9.99 a month, because I wanted the single best feature of Roll20, dynamic lighting on my maps. In short, Roll20 can model revealing the map to the players by only showing them what's in actual line of sight and visible within their current light source. That is their killer feature, in my opinion. In truth, the first time I tried a virtual tabletop was Fantasy Grounds. That went live in 2004, but was bought in 2009 by the current owners. I joined the community on March 5th, 2011. I remember that the reason was that I I wanted to play Rollmaster Classic and was attracted to the automation available using Fancy Grounds and their application. I logged on, I fiddled around, I got scared by the sheer amount of options and the apparent learning curve. I had bought a Fancy Grounds license, a player license and the Rollmaster module. $83.90 The next time I logged on was 2014. What got me playing with Fantasy Grounds regularly was the release of Dungeons & Dragons 5e modules, which I bought 
in April 2015. Both of those VTTs, Roll20 and Fantasy Grounds, presented a significant learning challenge to me. Roll20 was simply more frustrating and had a far less friendly community. I found players on Roll20 much more flaky, and although I loved the dynamic lighting, the effort required to get a map working with it was time-consuming. In the end, I found that waiting for a working character sheet for my chosen game was irritating. And yes, I do recognise that this is all user-made and fan-based content creation, but I didn't feel confident to learn the needed coding skills for myself. Over on Fantasy Grounds, I found several game modules for systems I wanted to play, but again, a frustratingly long wait for more fringe games. The main difference was that the FG community appeared far more loyal and worked more quickly. Looking back, they probably just had a head start in many ways. The event that tipped the balance for me was being invited to join the Society of Extraordinary Gamers in July 2014. Although I am one of the GMs over on SXG, I am very much the newbie in my own head. I've been gaming over there for nearly two years, but I still I don't feel established. I've not wholly committed myself to the realisation that I get more games and better games online using Fantasy Grounds. Ted Wallerstadt has been my inspiration and encourager. He has recruited all but one of my players over the years. I have managed to squander and show a distinct lack of appreciation for all that Ted has done to help me over the years. So, Ted, if you're listening, thank you for the support and effort, and I am sorry that I let you down. And thank you for, in the end, helping me to see the value of Castles and Crusades as a game system. Without you, I'd have probably given up the hobby in 2017. If you like anything that I'm doing now, you probably owe it to Ted Wallerstadt for keeping me gaming. Thank you, Ted. But that's not the whole story. There's more to my adventures online than Roll20 and Fantasy Grounds. I appear to have been playing on Tavern Keeper, the play-by-post community, around 2014. I got some of my offline friends to trial it, and we had a short-lived game on there. It's a web-based community with some cool tools that allow you to build characters, play games, and record the emergent story, and really have fun gaming. It's free to join and use. I came across it through a failed Kickstarter. Speaking of Kickstarter, that was the medium through which I discovered some other useful online gaming tools. I backed Playsets, that's an iOS app, in 2013, that kind of died a death. I backed Tabletop Connect in 2014, which ultimately was absorbed by the Fantasy Grounds team and led me to getting an ultimate license for FG. I backed Storium in 2014. We played on there for a while, but it's more of a story writing tool than a place for role-playing games. Great site, though. If you want to play a creative writing game, Storium is a great collaborative game. 
I'm plotting using the educational version, Storium Edu, at school. Uh, it's a site worthy of exploration. Storium.com. I tried D20 Pro, but I quickly decided I didn't like it. I don't remember much about it now. I downloaded the application, I think, because it's very visual and appealing. Looking at their website again, I, th- I think I felt it was too D20 focused. It supports D&D 3.5, 4th edition, Pathfinder, and what looks like D&D 5e2. Because I use Fantasy Grounds, I didn't really feel the need to try D20 Pro. I think if you had a massive monitor built into your gaming table, like horizontally, and you played D&D a lot, then D20 Pro might be your thing. I don't know. More recently, I've been trying out Rollgate too. Rollgate is another play-by-email type community website, similar in some ways to Tavernkeeper, but I like the interface and simplicity of it. I got my friend Derek, the the priest I interviewed back in Series 1. Derek and I got gaming on there. We really should get back to it, now I think about it. It was good fun. Recently, folk in the OSR community keep talking about using Discord and something they call the Audio Dungeon Discord but I'm not really sure what that's about. I mean, I have a Discord account. That's a chat application that you can use online through a browser, or you can download an app to use on almost any platform. I hear tales of using audio and video on there too. I really haven't explored it very much further than that. Some of the Anchorite podcasters record interviews using it though, like when Joe the Lawyer did mine the other week. But I honestly don't know what the Audio Dungeon Discord is, and if any of you guys want to like call in and let me know and show me where it is, I'd, I'd really appreciate it. So yeah, I guess overall, I've gamed on a few platforms, but I am truly master of none of them. So how does that help you, the returning player or game master? As I've alluded to back in episode three on being a player... When you are having a tough time finding a local, physical gaming table, then getting into a worldwide, virtual gaming table is a great option. The problem comes in finding a table to join, just like with any game. If you have the chops to become a GM, then I'd suggest picking a platform and setting up a game to recruit. That's a solid option. Of course, you might find it easier to immerse yourself in the culture of your chosen platform, by seeing if you can get involved as a player in someone else's game first. Following the demise of Google+, a vibrant online RPG community has grown up on the social media platform called MeWe. That's my preferred place, by the way, and, in time, I aim to shut down my Facebook account and solely socialise over on MeWe. For me, it's a safer place and my data isn't being sold to pay for it. Of course... There are vibrant online social communities elsewhere too. You can check out YouTube, Reddit, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest and many others. Searches for RPGs can be interesting. I remember my first search for RPG got me some great photos of rocket-propelled grenade launches. (laughs) But looking for D&D or role-playing games or the name of your favourite game all works well. But then, I guess by now, You've probably already done all of that. In terms of virtual tabletops, 
I'd propose choosing one. If you just want to dabble, roll 20 is good if you want to play. It's free to play, and it's easy to find a pickup game. They have cool tools for Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, just like Fantasy Grounds does. And if you think you want to GM, well then, I'd seriously ask you to consider Fantasy Grounds. Yes, there is an upfront learning curve and an upfront license cost, but long term, it's cheaper. Long term, Fantasy Grounds are far more powerful and versatile tool. The only thing it lacks right now is dynamic lighting. Buying Fantasy Grounds gets you access to a few free rule sets, by the way. The 3.5 SRD, Pathfinder, and the D&D 5th Edition SRD are all built in for starting GMs. The major differences between the two VTTs boil down to three big things. Roll20 is browser-based, while Fantasy Grounds is an app you download. This means you can play Roll20 on a tablet or a phone at a push, but you need a laptop or a desktop PC for Fantasy Grounds. Roll20 has native voice, video and sound applications, while Fantasy Grounds needs to be combined with three apps such as TeamSpeak 3 to allow voice or video. Roll20 has less automation available out of the box, and, and this is where FG excels. You get initiative and combat automation, spell automation, and other advanced features with Fantasy Grounds. It, it all adds up to speedier games and less faffing around. But you already know my preferences. Either way, if you want to use maps and other artwork online, you either need to make it yourself or buy it to import into your chosen platform. Visuals are a big part of the appeal to online gaming, but they either cost time or money to add in. Some folk will always prefer face-to-face gaming, but tokens, hex or square combat maps, showing players world maps or images of items, that's all easier to do online. Maps don't cost too much on drive through RPG, but my top tip for fantasy gamers is to go and download the free dungeon maps on Dyson Logos's website, DysonLogos.com. I'll, I'll stick a link in the show notes. Dyson draws in black and white, old style, and makes many of his maps free, even for commercial use, through the generosity of his Patreon patrons. Seriously cool maps. They're hand-drawn and in a great style. Check them out. I'd also like to shout out to some of the anchorites on this too. Uh, Gothridge Manor offers maps, for example, via the Patreon. And so does Matt Random, I believe. And there's always Plundergrands from Ray Otis. He does loads of free good stuff. And I know I am missing off loads of other good OSR types here. I'm really sorry, guys. Look, here's the thing. You can find a game online. I run on alternate Saturdays via the Society of Extraordinary Gamers using Fantasy Grounds and TeamSpeak 3. If you like 5e, then you can go hang out on Wednesdays with Rob Tui and drop into the open table. Check out his interview last episode for details. Or you can just ask around on your social media platforms. Every week I see invitations to games go up, so you're bound to find someone who'll give you a game. Maybe even a good game too. And that, Rescuers, is about all I have to say about that. 
It was no doubt shorter than you hoped, but it's about all I know about VTTs right now. Get online and try out a virtual tabletop. Remember that you don't need to use all the bells and whistles to run a good game. Fantasy Grounds or Roll20 without any images is just fine for a cool game. Don't think you have to run a highly blinged game for it to be a success. That's the mistake I keep making. Just get online and run a game. You'll probably have a blast. Just wanted to take a moment and read out um, a pretty cool comment I got on the Facebook page for Roleplay Rescue. It's from a guy called Angus Wallace. Another great episode, though Rob keeps failing to point out Roll20 can be used for free if you don't dungeon crawl and aren't bothered about bells and whistles. Roll20 is great. We've used it for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and it automates all the combat roles, which is nice. For Trial of Cthulhu and Call of Cthulhu, we simply use it for holding the characters. All the character sheets are available, sharing handouts and, and maps. For the GM, it does involve a steep learning curve, lots of YouTube videos. But if people are just looking for a way to hook up and share stuff, free is difficult to beat. Thanks, Angus, for your comment. Um, I just thought I'd want to share that, especially off the back of you know, my own episode on uh, gaming online, in which I kind of, to be honest with you, Probably missed that point as well. So thanks for dropping that one down, dude. All the best. Hey, Che. Frank T here. Just want to let you know your struggle paid off, at least for this role player. I just finished listening to your interview with Rob Tui, and I want to thank you for that. Uh, you have given me a new perspective on using digital tools at the table. Even if I don't want to use or I don't game online yet uh, the ability to have a tool like Fantasy Grounds and use it at my table with all the automation will make life so much easier I think when playing with my kids who are also my usual gaming group. Glad you're enjoying the podcast, Frank, and um, thank you so much for your complimentary comments on interviewing Rob Tui. Um Rob and I, I met him, I guess, online gaming myself, um, and although Rob didn't stick around in my game, uh, largely because I'm just too flaky, uh, you know, he's a good guy, and he had a lot of good things to say, and yeah, we probably missed a couple of points, and boy, are we biased about Fantasy Grounds, but you know what, it is a good system. So uh, thank you for your calling. I really appreciate your taking the time to do that. And um, if anyone's listening and they don't know about Frank T's line of notes, Frank has his own podcast out there, and it's pretty good stuff. He uh, yeah he waxes um, philosophical about gaming quite a lot, and I love you know just all of his stuff. Yeah, you should go check him out. Frank T's line of notes. Cheers, Frank. Roleplay Rescue is all about getting people who used to play fantasy adventure games back to the table. And when I say fantasy adventure games, I really mean that in the broad sense. Not just the fantasy genre, but all the adventure games that have given us science fiction, horror, and modern action-adventure too. Fantasy, in the sense of stepping outside of the everyday world and entering into an imagined space in which we can play a different role, whether a heroic role or not. I believe in role-playing games, in fantasy adventure games, 
as one of the most healthy and exciting hobbies ever devised. Throughout the 45 year or so evolution of a hobby, a lot has changed, but the value has only increased, at least to my mind. As you know, one of the big reasons I get out of bed every day is because I want to be a part of this community of gamers that allows people to discover more about themselves and to feel accepted for who they truly are. And I think I have to be honest and say that recording these two series of Roleplay Rescue has begun to transform my life even more than I expected. I didn't know many of you when I started. Living in response to your voices, those relatively few voices from all the listeners who I know regularly take time to listen to this show, but listening to those of you who have called in and reading your comments online has transformed how I see both my hobby and myself as a gamer. I used to feel like the worst game master in the world. Today, I know that title is probably not entirely deserved. You have taught me that there are loads of gamers similar to me who struggle with putting on a good game. Thank you for helping me to understand that. You've encouraged me. You've held me up when I needed support. And most of all, you've listened to what I had to say. It's true that I've discovered a great deal from this community and I continue to discover, along with all of you, how to be a better gamer. I also feel accepted for who I am, warts and all, as has often been said. I feel accepted as the GM who struggles with my game, who struggles with my art, and with serving my communities around each gaming table. More than that, I believe that together we have created a new community that is bound together by a desire to encourage people back to the gaming table, back to role-playing games, back to fantasy adventure, and I don't want to lose that. I want to bind the community together even closer. That's why I launched a Patreon for Roleplay Rescue. Despite my fumbling explanation last weekend, what in marketing terms was probably the worst launch for anything, what I have come to accept over the past few days is that I need to give myself permission to ask for your financial support as well as your moral support. I want to create a community that helps lapsed gamers come back to the hobby. We need a community space in which to flourish and we need more resources than I am currently able to invest in creating on my own. And what is truly amazing to me is that in the first five days we've already had a handful of rescuers come and pledge their support. The Patreon is about creating a club around the Roleplay Rescue podcast a community of discovery in which gamers, lost or found, can learn about role-playing, can get back to the table and find a sense of acceptance, you know, for their escapist tendencies. Roleplay Rescue's Patreon is about building a membership. It's about building a group who belongs to one another and to the project. And that's why the goals of the Patreon are focused on numbers of people, not on the quantity of funds you put my way. What matters in the long term is that we share this passion for gaming as a community. Initially, I'll use the money raised to recoup my costs. No, I know I didn't need to wang out on a Blue Yeti microphone, but it certainly made my podcast sound better. In fact, to be honest, it gave me the confidence to record in the first place. As Colin has commented in the past, I'm a stickler for the sound quality. Over time, with your permission, 
I'll use the funds to release more of my time to writing, recording and putting out more and better quality content. I'm not promising any special rewards for members because I want to keep Roleplay Rescue free for the end user. Anchor.fm makes it possible to avoid the costs of running a website and makes the whole process easy. I can also have call-ins and use them in episodes with great ease instead of having to organise a voicemail service or something. The show's music is 90% provided by Anchor and on top of that, using Audacity makes it free to record and edit my segments. I turn them into usable episodes and upload them to Anchor. What is not cheap is my time. I'm a full-time UK state school teacher. I work an average of 55 hours a week, sometimes more, occasionally less. In the long run, I'll be working until I'm 68 before I can retire and draw a pension. That's about 20 years from now. And I love my job. And I am not in any way complaining. I'm just explaining that my time is the most valuable asset I have to offer. And I want to give back to my hobby, to the fantasy adventure games that have inspired me all of my life. More than that, I feel that I need to give back to my hobby. But I can't give more time without consequence. It takes about five hours to write, record, edit and then post an episode. In real terms, that's about £100 worth of my time as a professional. And that's not far shy of a couple of working days a month when I do a weekly podcast. And no, it's not really about the money. That's just one way of explaining how much this show takes to produce. And I know I can do better. So here's the pitch. I am asking you to come and join the Roleplay Rescue community by supporting the Patreon. It's a pay-what-you-want model. One dollar per month is the starting point. There are five tiers in total, but you're in with a one dollar pledge. When we get to ten members... You'll be paying for my blog, ubiquitousrap.net, which oddly is the place that got all of this started. You'll be keeping that 10-year-old repository of gaming articles alive, and I'll keep writing posts each month. But when we get to 20 members, you'll be helping me recoup the costs. But here's where it gets cool. At 50 members, I will begin work on some specialised episodes focused on gaming in schools, gaming with teenagers, and forming hobby clubs. These will be free bonus episodes for everyone to enjoy. To my mind, 50 members is when we'll become a force to be reckoned with. From there, the sky is the limit. The marketing wisdom and statistics tell me that I can expect about 5% of listeners to support Roleplay Rescue via Patreon. That's about 5 or 6 people right now. But as of this recording, seven of you have already pledged and are buoying me up. On the basis of those statistics, what I am talking about is a total pipe dream. 50 members for a podcast this small is a fantasy, unrooted in reality and beyond the reasonable expectations of real life. But I prefer to dream. I prefer to hope, against all odds, that there are more of you who want to help extend the reach of this podcast beyond merely being curious entertainment and into a more meaningful community for all of us. Will you come and be a member? Join us at patreon.com forward slash RPG Rescue. Come and join the Roleplay Rescue community.
to wrap all of this up, here are those seven glorious dreamers who are Roleplay Rescue members as of today. The mighty sword bearer, Mark Grahan. The brave shield bearer, Rayotus. The intrepid torch bearers, Edwin King, Frank T, Christian Richards, Peter Skeynes and Vance A. Thank you, all of you. Game on. I hope you are enjoying Roleplay Rescue. If you ever want to get in touch, ask questions or share your point of view, you can leave me a voice message. You can also drop comments onto the Roleplay Rescue page on Facebook and the even more popular page on MeWe. Just search for Roleplay Rescue on those social media platforms and you can follow the pages with an easy click. You can even email me via hello at rpgrescue.com. I'm Che Webster. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next weekend with another episode of Roleplay Rescue. Game on. Curse you, Webster!